Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to another episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show, proudly part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. My name is Aaron the Brain, flying solo again for my latest draft analysis uh, or film analysis of the Miami Dolphins draft picks episodes. In previous episodes, I have broke down Tua Tungavailoa, Austin Jackson, and Raekwon Davis. In today's episode, I'm going to be looking at the Dolphins' final first-round pick, Noah Igbenogany out of Auburn, whom the Dolphins took with the 30th overall selection, the cornerback out of Auburn. And Robert Hunt, the tackle slash guard, we'll just call him an offensive lineman, whom the Dolphins selected in the second round with the number 39 pick out of Louisiana Lafayette. So if you listened to the previous episodes where I broke down the film, you already know the drill. But for those of you who didn't listen to those, and this is going to be your first foray with me into this film analysis, essentially what I've done is I've gone back and to the best of my ability, I've gone back and watched as many snaps as possible. In some cases, every snap. In other cases, uh, where games were, uh, where I was unable to find certain games, uh, through my limited amount of resources out there on, on YouTube. I found as many games as I could and I watched as many snaps as I could and just focused on the players that I was evaluating. And the plan is to give you my most objective opinion based on the film that I saw. So we're going to dive right in to Noah Igbenogany, who was a little bit of a surprise pick when the Dolphins came up with their last pick in the first round, the 30th pick overall. Um, most people would have suspected that the Dolphins would not have uh, been seeking cornerback so aggressively, considering that they just paid Xavier Howard big money uh, a, a year ago and went out and paid a bunch of money to Byron Jones to be the opposite side corner. But lo and behold, the Dolphins went out and drafted Noah Igbenogany. So I went and I watched the games and this is what I saw. My first impression is that this guy is fast, he's quick, and he is physical. It jumps right off the page at you or right off the screen when you're watching him play. This guy has the tools to be a cover corner. So the positives for Noah Igbenogany is that he really sticks to his man like glue. He's really... Between his, his footwork, his athleticism, his speed, his agility, his quick twitch. He has a very quick twitch nature about the way that he moves and it enables him to really be able to stop on a dime and stick with guys, even, even guys that are, uh, that are some of the best route runners in the country whom he was matched up with routinely because he played in the SEC and in the SEC West, uh, at that. Uh, and he was rarely beaten by more than half a step. There, look, no cornerback 
is going to pitch a complete shutout, uh, certainly not over the course of an entire season. I watched all of his 2019 film, and by and large, he, he stuck with every guy uh, and very rarely was beaten by more than half a step. You're going to get a few where guys get an inside release on a slant and they just get ahead of them. And if the quarterback puts the ball where it's supposed to be, they make a catch. But Igbenogany is right there to make the tackle right after him. And speaking of tackling, he's a solid tackler and he's a willing tackler. Like I said, going back to my first impression about him being fast, quick, and physical, the physical part of it is that he is a willing tackler. He is not afraid to mix it up. He can fight through blocks, and he is not shy about trying to lay a big hit on a running back, on a receiver, on a tight end. He's he's not going to shy away from contact, and that's a big part of Brian Flores' defense uh, with his defensive backs. He wants everybody on that defense to be able to tackle, and that includes his corners. And the last of the positives is that he he plays with a visible emotion and an edge that players get behind. You'll see this time and time again in just about all of their games, is that Igbenogany in many ways is the emotional leader, uh, or was the emotional leader, of that Auburn defense, when he makes a play, he gets amped about it, it rallies the troops around him, he's a galvanizing figure, much in the same way that a Ryan Fitzpatrick is on the Dolph- for the Dolphins on the offensive side of the ball, a guy that plays with an unbridled enthusiasm, and it really rallies the players behind him. Now, as far as negatives, look, it he he's a good prospect, but he's not without some negatives. And the biggest negative is that he does not possess at this time great ball skills. And in, in fact, I would say that he he lacks most ball skills. He really does not even have good ball school ball skills. I, I'd say you could call it adequate at best, but he he's not a guy that uh, break that broke up a lot of passes. He did not have an interception the entire season. So ball skills are are certainly the biggest negative when it comes to Igbenogany. And what I noticed is that he does not track the ball well once it is in the air. And what you'll see is, is that instead of playing the ball, he's going to play the man. And while... This did lead to some pass breakups, and because his coverage was so good, a lot of the times it didn't matter because quarterbacks simply shied away from throwing the ball at him. But once the ball was in the air, it did make him a bit susceptible to a couple of things, not the least of which was pass interference. He had a few pass interference calls. In fact, in a game against Florida against Van Jefferson, one of the better receivers in the SEC. He he actually was flagged on two consecutive plays for pass interference because of his his physical nature and because of really playing the man instead of the ball. The other thing that he's susceptible to because of his lack of ball skills are 50-50 balls and back shoulder passes. Because he does not pick the ball up easily, what you'll see is with really good veteran defensive backs, they have an innate awareness 
of when the ball is in the air. They have an ability to kind of read the receiver, even when they're playing the receiver, to read their eyes and their body language and to be able to quickly turn their head, identify where the ball is, and make the play. Igbenogany at this point does not have that. And so what you see is places where he was attacked in particular in a game against Texas A&M where you saw it where in the second half of that game, Kellen Mond went to, uh, the receiver's name is is escaping me at the, at the moment, but I want to say four or five times in the second half where Igbenogany had great coverage, but Kellen Mond just kept going to the back shoulder throw and Igbenogany just had no adjustment to it. And look, that's... It's not the, the, a huge criticism because at the end of the day, if, if you throw, if a quarterback throws a perfect back shoulder pass and the receiver knows where it, and, and the receiver knows where it's going to be and they sell it and they don't sell out and, and give the defensive back any indication that that play is coming or any sort of tell, then it's an extremely difficult play to stop. It's downright impossible. So it's, it's almost, you know, grasping at straws to find a negative there. But you also see on 50-50 balls as well, his lack of being able to track the ball in the air, identify it and come up with a play. Uh, it, it is an area where he needs improvement. So overall, what I see with Igbenogany is that he shows the ability and the potential to be a true lockdown corner if he can get a bit more refined once the ball is in the air. The good news is he only played cornerback for the last two seasons. He came in as an athlete. They played him at wide receiver and in his sophomore and junior, in his sophomore year, they moved him to corner. So he played corner in his sophomore and junior year. The only two years he's played corner and for him to play corner at such a high level to still be a first round draft pick it tells you the upside that he has after only playing the position for two years and by all accounts he's a smart kid with a good work ethic so it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's going to get better in fact I would expect that he will get better in that aspect and if he does I think he has the potential to be a pro bowl cornerback at best he's a pro bowl cornerback at worst he should be a solid number two corner in this league for a long time so long as he's healthy and I think he's ready to contribute from day one now as far as where he's going to fit day one look I talked about Xavier Howard I talked about Byron Jones those two guys are going to start but we're going to see a lot of nickel and dime in this Dolphins defense and Brian Flores loves man press from his corner. So I fully expect that Noah Igbenogany will get a ton of snaps in the nickel. And, you know, if one of those corners should go down with an injury, uh, he's the, he's the next man up to, to come in and start. I think he immediately jumps Nick Needham on the depth chart as long as he has a good camp and, I don't see why he wouldn't, uh, you know, unless he has, unless he sustains some sort of injury. So 
I think the more I look, the more I delved into this pick, uh, the more I like it. You get a guy with the number 30 pick who, in my opinion, is at worst a long-term number two corner. That's a great pick. It gives us a ton of depth at the cornerback position. It also gives us a lot of flexibility as far as options to go forward after this year or the year after once Xavier Howard's money, guaranteed money, is off the books. So it, it gives us the ability to potentially trade one of those guys. I think Xavier Howard's the guy that makes the most sense to trade. If, if Howard comes out and has a great year or starts the year really great, then look, you may be able to recruit multiple first round picks in return for a guy like Xavier Howard, whether it's this season, next season, or somewhere down the road in a trade. And you're only going to do that if you've got a viable option backing him up. And this really starts the, the cornerback assembly line that I, that I was, <laughs> that I, that I think is, is essential. And I think that the Dolphins really want to, when you look at the Patriots, uh, model, which is what the Dolphins are being built off of, that's really a staple of it. You always want to have prospects that are waiting in the wings that can do the job so that you're not put in a position where you need to depend on high-priced guys or paying for guys when their contracts are up or, God forbid, they hold out. You, the This model, it, it depends on... The organization having the leverage by having the amount of picks, by having depth, and therefore not being held captive by greedy, me-first players. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen, and I'm not saying that that applies to anybody on this Dolphins roster, but you see it all over the league that with organizations that have star players and don't have anybody that can really fill their shoes behind them, it puts them in a position where they've got no leverage if that player decides to get greedy, wants to renegotiate their contract. And so I think this is just, it's a great depth piece. It's a great piece for the future going forward. And it puts the Dolphins in a great position to handle their business going forward at the cornerback position. So the next guy that we are going to go over, the Dolphins' first second round pick, the number 39 overall pick, Robert Hunt out of Louisiana Lafayette. So Robert Hunt played guard in his first two years. And then in his last two years, uh, moved over to right tackle. He played right guard in his first two years. I watched his last year's film, his 2019 tape. And so he was playing right tackle. And the first impression, and this is just, I mean, it leaps right off the screen again, is this dude plays with a mean streak. He plays till the whistle. And so you're not going to see him stop. He's relentless and he's going to play until the play is blown dead. And he doesn't just want to win the rep. He doesn't just want to beat his man and do his job on that particular play. He wants to utterly destroy his man. You see over and over again, countless reps of him 
absolutely driving his guy three, four, five yards past the line of scrimmage, driving his guys into the ground and just plays with a ferocity that I love to see out of an offensive lineman and something that, frankly, I don't think we've seen from a Dolphins offensive lineman probably since Richie Incognito. So, and and you could say what you want about Incognito and the whole bully gate thing and all that and his character and the kind of person he is but as far as a football player damn good offensive lineman and so Robert Hunt plays with that kind of aggression so aside from that other positives that that I noted is that he's got an explosive first set uh first step with heavy hands that he uses well to latch on to the defender once he's got his defender, he's got powerful legs to drive his man back and uses leverage to turn and take his man where they need to go. You routinely see this in running plays with Louisiana, and they had one of the better rushing offenses in the country last year, is that he will turn his man out and create these holes, and he just it's not just him manhandling a guy, it's him also showing the the ability to push his guy where they need to be on that specific play, just showing a great understanding of what his assignment is on every single play and where the ball is or where the runner is designed to run. And he creates holes by moving his man quite easily to where they're supposed to be. And the last thing is that He's surprisingly fast for a guy of his size. He moves well, he explodes, and he can get to the second level. And once he gets to the second level, linebackers have no chance. Safeties, defensive backs, they've got no chance against this guy. Once he gets his hands on, they're they're toast. So you got a guy that is great at getting to the second level, and once he's there, is going to beat his man and punish his man. And in that regard, I think he he's very similar to the Dolphins first round tackle Austin Jackson, another guy who is uh, successful at getting to the second level, showing great uh, athleticism. I'll say this though, Robert Hunt shows a lot more aggression and physicality than did Austin Jackson. Of course, Austin Jackson, I think shows higher upside as far as athleticism. Now, as far as negatives, one of those negatives is that he, that, that Hunt doesn't have a great amount of lateral quickness. And so what you see is when he's in pass protection and he doesn't have either an off balance line or a tight end covering him up on his outside shoulder, at times, he will look a little bit lost. Now, he did not play against great competition consistently playing in the Sun Belt. And so he still, by and large, handled his his man and handled his assignment. But you see little cracks where maybe he's a little bit unsure or maybe there's a little bit of... of you know, him being off balance in his, in his backstep, in his lateral agility, in his lateral agility, sliding out in pass protection. And in fact, the, the best competition that he faced in 2019 was Appalachian State, 
who uh, was the best team in the Sun Belt. And they had a pair of good defensive ends, one of whom, Demetrius Taylor, I think has a chance to play in in the NFL. Uh, he's going to be entering his senior year th- this coming year for Appalachian State. But I think he's a guy that might get drafted in next year's draft. And while Hunt did a solid job on him and and didn't allow a sack, there were times where Taylor did get the better of him on some reps. And I thought, by and large, it mostly came with him kind of looking a little bit rigid and stiff in his backpedal. Now, when, when it was, when he was covered up on the outside and when it was a running play, there's no problem. This guy is an absolute monster in the, in the ground game with his run blocking. But in pass protection, particularly when not covered up, I think he has issues. And because of that, he's projected to not play tackle at the next level. I think that he could potentially play tackle for the Dolphins who don't have a great right tackle. But I think ideally, this guy is a guard. He has guard written all over him. And I think he could be an elite level guard. If if put in the right situation in a man scheme, just beat your man. I think this guy can come in and start right away and be a force on the right side of the line. The last little negative is that occasionally, due to his aggressiveness, he will occasionally get caught kind of leaning forward and will will sometimes end up on the ground. And so because of that, going up against better defensive linemen in the NFL, if he doesn't have balance, they're going to use that against him, and that could be a problem. So if there's one area of concern, even with him at guard, I would say that's it. His, his, uh, his penchant for kind of over being overly aggressive off the snap and letting his body kind of get let letting his body get past his waist and his knees and that makes him susceptible to ending up on the ground and losing the rep. So overall, look, this is a guy that played both tackle and guard at Louisiana Lafayette. I think he figures to be best suited at guard as he struggled a bit in space and doesn't have elite lateral quickness. But I think he should be a day one starter on the right side for the Dolphins. So that brings me to the two questions that we got on Twitter, which, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter and tweet at me anytime at Aaron the Brain. You could also follow the show at the show's uh, Twitter page at Same Old Dolphins. You could also tweet at Josh at Amplified to Rock and Make sure that you're following the the Facebook page, facebook.com slash same old dolphins and the Instagram page at same old dolphins on Insta. And of course, dolphinstalk.com where we are featured on the, the front page with other great podcasts. And we again are proud to be part of the dolphinstalk.com podcast letter, uh, network. That's the word I was going for, network. So I received two questions coming into today's show, and both of them were regarding uh, Robert Hunt. So first, I got one from me at Three Kids Are a Blessing, 
Is Hunt a real option at right tackle? Many scouts say that he's more of an interior lineman and that his lack of athleticism will be exposed at tackle. Are we better keeping Jesse Davis at right tackle next year? Thanks and love the podcast. Well, thank you, three kids are a blessing. Or thank you, me. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with the scouts on that. I think that he is best suited to be a guard. I think if you put him at right tackle, I think he could do a serviceable job. But against speed rushers, one, we really don't know because we haven't seen him go up against NFL talent, edge rush, you know, NFL edge uh caliber edge rushers because he didn't really go up against any of them in college so it's really an unknown but from what i saw i think he'd probably be overmatched against the better edge rushers in this league and so i think it would be dangerous to put him at right tackle now that said your best option other than him at right tackle is jesse davis so what i think is that both jesse davis and Robert Hunt are going to start on the right side of the line. And I think the hope is that Jesse Davis will do a good job there. But if Jesse Davis is stinking up the joint, then Robert Hunt's going to get some reps and they're probably going to put whoever is best at tackle at tackle, because I think both will do a good job at guard. I think it's just an easier position to play and it's, an easier position to cover up being that you're covered up by the tackle. You've got the center playing next to you. You can scheme around a guard that is having trouble a lot easier than you can scheme around a tackle that is having trouble. So I think whether it's guard or tackle, he's going to be a day one starter on the right side. Again, obviously, if he stays healthy. The the last question uh, also regarding... Robert Hunt, it comes to us from Melody Mackey at Dolphins. Melody, hey Melody, do you see Hunt starting in 2020 or do you think he comes in for spot duty? I'm leaning towards the latter right now. That's Melody saying that she's leaning towards the latter, not me. I believe that he starts. I believe that he is going to be your starting right guard and if he has to be, he'll be your starting right tackle. His competition at right guard, if he... If he is not the tackle, if Jesse Davis holds down the right tackle spot, the competition at guard right now is really Shaq Calhoun, the the guy that they drafted last uh, last season, whose name is uh, Michael Dieter, Michael Dieter out of out of Wisconsin, and and really that's about it. I I, I don't even think Evan Bain is still on the roster. I know they've got some some uh, undrafted guys. Oh, and Robert Ki- or and. Uh, Solomon Kindley, who they drafted later, who I will also be getting into in a, in a future episode, is another guard that could challenge. But to me, Robert Hunt is well ahead of Kindley and should have no problem beating Kindley out. And in my opinion, he projects to be better than Michael Dieter. I think he's just bigger. He's stronger. He's more aggressive. So I, I think that that Robert Hunt is going to absolutely lock down a starting spot on the right side of the line. So thank you, Melody, for your question. Thank you to me for your question. And look, tweet at me if you have any other questions. The next podcast 
is going to be uh, me breaking down. We're going to skip Raekwon Davis as we've already done him since I I looked at all his film when I was going through the Tua film. Um, so the next two that we're going to break that I'm going to break down is the Dolphins third round pick Brandon Jones and their fourth round pick the aforementioned Solomon Kindley. Now as far as going forward from there I will do the my next podcast ap- after that will be breaking down Jason Strobridge the edge rusher from North Carolina and Curtis Weaver the edge rusher that the Dolphins got from Boise State and I'm going to skip over Blake Ferguson because, quite frankly, I have no interest in breaking down film of a long snapper, and I think it would be a waste of time. So I may for not the next episode, which will be Brandon Jones and Solomon Kindley, but I may just make that final episode, Jason Strobridge, Curtis Weaver, and Malcolm Perry all lumped in to one episode so we can kind of knock this out in another two episodes. So if you got any questions about those players coming up or players that I've discussed either on this podcast or discussed on a previous podcast, feel free to tweet at same old dolphins. Feel free to tweet me at Aaron the brain and I will do my best to get back to you, engage in a discussion or answer your questions on the next pod. So for Amplified the Tarak, for Josh, my name is Aaron, Aaron the Brain, for the whole DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Thank you so much for joining and for listening. And until next time, go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. We take the ball from